Welcome to Middle School Matters Podcast number 591, filled with prosody. We're going to talk about some teaching resources. We've got jokes for you. We're going to talk. It's going to, you know what? It's going to be a short show, a short summer show. So without further ado, here's the wonderful, the magnanimous, the Mr. Troy Patterson. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to the show. I am Troy Patterson, and with me is the world's greatest co-show host, Mr. Sean McGurr. Hey, Sean. Well, hello there. How are you? I'm well. We have a short show planned for today. <laughs> we say that. We say that, and it, it ends up not being that. But we'll, we'll, we'll see. But we have a we'll short see if your prediction's true. Yeah. 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 So lots of uh, summertime things going on. Do you know who the most knowledgeable doctor treating children is? It would be a pediatrician, wouldn't it? Close. It would be an encyclopediatrician. Oh, I see. Uh, I see. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, Sean, if you're going to go out on a first date, you might want to be look. You might look for an appropriate discussion topic. That's true. Yes. Yeah. So I would go with global warming. Would you? Yeah, it's a real icebreaker. Oh, that's true. It is. You're right. Uh -huh. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, during the summer, I like to do some different things. So I thought I'd try culinary school. Yeah. I was told I was told to improve my soups. I, see. I just don't I just don't put much stock in that. Yeah. Yeah. I tried it and I couldn't cut it. <laughs> mm -hmm. I guess if you try it and you can cut it, <laughs> that would be a probably a bigger issue. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. So, you know, there, there's that. So, um, a friend of mine is a, uh, he's a professional weightlifter for circus. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's going to quit, though. He just gave his uh, owner his two-week notice. Oh. Mm -hmm. Just a quick thought here. Piano is the hardest instrument to pick up. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, sometimes organs, you like I to... I think, too, maybe. Uh, sometimes in the summer, you like to pick up a new skill. and. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 13 out of 12 folks can't explain what a baker's dozen means. Oh. I would so use that one with kids. Yeah. Oh, my friend John wrote a, a book on puffins. Really? Yeah. He quickly realized that paper would have worked better. Oh, sure. Yep. Yep. Uh, and, and you know, he was going to go to the uh, costume ball as Houdini in a straitjacket. Okay. Yeah, but he had a simple fear. The fear that it, he couldn't pull it off. Oh, sure. Sure. Mm -hmm. I have a couple of visual jokes for you. Over at middleschoolmatters.com. One of them is mm -hmm. for the font nerds. Okay. The, the music font nerds. Oh, yes. You need, you need both of those to uh, appreciate the second visual joke. Over at middleschoolmatters.com. 
So, um, the sun out where you are, or no today? It's it's currently raining. While it's we speak, there, there are drops on the rooftop right now. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> there are some things scheduled and and um, some of those teachable moments that happen in science. And a lot of times we don't know when they're coming, but Dave Bidlowski has a few that we know when they're coming. And oh. he's got some great ideas and some very specific things that can work for you. So here, without further ado, is the wonderful Mr. Dave Bidlowski in the Middle School Science Minute. Hi, this is Dave Bidlowski of K12Science.net, and this is your K12 Science Podcast. I was recently reading the July-August 2023 issue of Science Scope, a middle school publication of the National Science Teaching Association. And I read from the editor's desk, written by the editor of Science Scope, Patty McGinnis, and she wrote an article entitled, Hurrah for Teachable Moments. And she said that we all relish the occasions when we can connect our lessons to current events that make science more relevant to our students. For example, the detection of the first gravitational wave in 2015 and the cloning of the first mammal, Dolly the sheep, in 1996 allowed us to show how the material students are learning in the classroom connects to what the media are covering today. Even more dramatic are the natural disasters that can affect our students. Earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, floods, droughts, and wildfires. While these can help make a science concept starkly real, they typically cannot be anticipated, so we need to improvise in our teaching to incorporate them. Fortunately, two wonderful teachable celestial events will occur during this school year in North America allowing plenty of time to plan. A solar eclipse doubleheader occurs on Saturday, October 14, 2023, an annual eclipse, and on Monday, April 8, 2024, a total eclipse. While you have to be in a narrow path to see either the annual or total eclipse, everyone in North America will see a partial eclipse. And fortunately for us in the Detroit area, we're only 60 minutes away from a total eclipse that we'll be able to see in Toledo, Ohio. Most people will focus on the eclipse sun, but this will also be a great time to look at other phenomena associated with the sun and the eclipses. The sun will be near the height of its 11-year cycle, when it is most active and has the largest number of sunspots. Also, if you are near the path of annularity or totality, there will be other natural phenomena to observe besides the eclipsed sun. A similar teachable moment in the continental United States will not occur until 2045, so we hope you will take advantage of the upcoming eclipses to connect your students with the natural world they are studying. And this has been your K-12 Science Podcast. It's going to be hard to eclipse that. Uh, uh, just one more groan. You left us in the dark on that one. <laughs> I left us in the dark. 
There's something come between us. Ah. <laughs> uh, All right. Moves across the podcast. <laughs> so, um, I know that you've been working on <clears throat> something not for your class. But no, that's uh, true. But for someone else, still education yep. related. Very much. Um, so, and I think you may have some success with finishing that. Did you say that this morning? I think I've got I've got the textbook in. So I found an online textbook in Pressbooks that is free, and uh, and the nice thing is that it's hyperlinked so that um, I parsed out the chapters by link. Mm -hmm. It wasn't mm -hmm. hard; just you know, right click, mm -hmm. copy, whatever. Um, and so I've got those in different sections so that uh, the teacher can move through the sections in, in Moodle and the chapters are at the top and um, she can then send them to the text and they can, uh, they can do the chapter, but then I also popped out. So the, the book has 125 different H5P activities in it. Some of them are just word lists. Some of them are review things, but then they've got 146 resources 126 of which are in the book, but the rest of them are not in the book. And so I've taken all of them and put them in as review things in, in Moodle so that, you know, if she doesn't want the book uh, open to the kids, she can close the book, but they can still have the review items and, mm -hmm. and look at the review stuff if she wants them to do that. So I've got those H5P activities in there and uh, Pressbooks has been a nice little tool. Uh, I'm going to play with that a little bit more investigating some things. Uh, H5P. Um, I've got to go and play some more with that, but um, I'm, I'm looking at, I, so I, we didn't, we talked about this a little bit pre-show, but uh, I finally whipped out my Raspberry Pi 400 because one of the things I want to do with that is I want to create a Moodle box. Moodle box. A Moodle box. And so I whipped up my Pi 400 and I'm playing with Raspbian just kind of getting familiar with it. Um, it's like an operating system I used to have in my Apple IIc. There was a graphic uh, interface thing. Um, I really liked it, but um, it reminds me of that in a lot of ways. And then, uh, the, of course, the coding is nowhere near like the old Apple IIc. It's far different than that. Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily going to reach into that sphere too much um but uh, i'm gonna play with the h5p make a moodle box i think and then um you know have some fun with that i, I got some ideas i want to do with that so there really is i mean i know we're both big fans of both moodle and h5p and um h5p has so much that you can do with it and you can use it within moodle you can embed it within moodle so the two things that go together nicely but it is knowing what you want to do. Uh, and I, I really do wish that there was more sharing of, of activities and things that have been completed. Um, that seems to interestingly be kind of, kind of a tough nut to crack. I know that Moodle's been trying to do that for a while. It's what MoodleNet was designed to do to 
encourage people sharing things away and you know sharing things back and forth and it's just hard 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 to to do i guess um so those dug on humans just won't pay attention <laughs> pay attention and share stuff and um because it's like if it could ever get to that critical point and i don't know if that it, that it could it would be so wonderful just to be able to share things right back and forth but you know people are frequently looking for the big answer and um you know so um you know all of these other applications come across and say we have the answer for you big textbook companies come across and say we have the answers for you here it is here it is kind of thing and you know people go along with that i and i get that they want something that's easy to use and easy to do um, so makes it kind of tough so one of the things that i'm gonna work on i had an eighth grade teacher reach out to me we had talked about doing a treasure hunt activity last year oh and um we talked about having the kids kind of create the treasure hunt activity and oh. she asked, she's like, well, can we do this? Can we do this this year? I ran out of time last year. I was like, sure, I'd be excited to do that. And um, so the, the the running idea is the kids are going to pick a different point around. Um, uh, and I think it's for history class. So it's going to be a historical point around the city. And they're going to do the write-up about, you know, like the clues and the information about it and that and then we'll put it together in a treasure hunt activity and then they can do all of them so each you know each kid or each group will create one of the points and then we'll put it together into a treasure hunt so it sounds like fun mm -hmm. it does sound like fun yeah and hopefully because the kids are doing the brunt of the work and they're doing the brunt of the learning. Um, and we'll just kind of package it up together real quick. And then the other and then other kids can use that. So I'm kind of excited to see how that will work and turns out. So that'll be fun to do. So um and then uh the continuing update, the continuing podcast saga update. Um <laughs> Now through um, through podcast validator, we have all green check marks. Um, I have learned how to hand code ID three tags, so shows will now ID three tags go into the audio file, so they have to be added into the audio file. Why it is that Apple doesn't let you do this in GarageBand, I do not know. And it makes me less than excited. Um, Apple has a pathology for you to do this, which involves adding it to Apple Music, adding in the data, and then exporting it back out. That is less than acceptable for me because I don't want Apple Music to be populated with you know all of the shows and the pieces and the bits. So... Uh -huh. There's another way I can do it, so I don't have to remember to go in and delete them and that kind of thing. 
because we have the shows in the podcast <laughs> in the podcast mm -hmm. app and that's where they should be um as a, another kind of uh fyi i have um trimmed down our xml file which is the podcast list because apple will only show the last 300 and let's be honest here <laughs> i'm thinking that uh and we're on show 591 so you know um so i went ahead and cut it down to uh, i don't remember exactly where but uh five years ago or so so if you want a show that is over the last five years old please let me know we still have recordings and backups and all that good stuff but i'm only going to publish um like five years of shows or so i think that's enough <laughs> so that means so, yeah. two-thirds of our shows are archived <laughs> yes <laughs> no uh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah okay look at you doing math what is what does that say <laughs> wait a minute what <laughs> holy cow two-thirds of two-thirds of our work is archived okay all right. Yep, 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 yep. So, um, so we're there, but I, I think that's reasonable. Um, and, um, you know, since we are pretty topical and, you know, honestly, most of the things we talk about, we have links to them on the, on the, the website and those links stay. So, you know, if we talked about, uh, make belief comics, for example. Um, yes. You can easily search the, the the website and find the links to make beliefs comic, and um, you know, you may not hear, you may not be able to hear everything we said about it, but there's usually a little write up as well there. So hopefully that's enough of a resource. But if not, you can always reach out to us and say, hey, I'd like to know more about this. And there are links on the website to do that. So we'd love getting email from listeners and, and that. So just uh, kind of one of those decisions that I was like, okay. <laughs> um, I think realistically we don't have to have all uh, 590 shows um in the file it's not a very big file because it's all text but just makes it a little bit cleaner so so yeah so i did a little cleaning a little um um organizing and one of the big reasons by the way that i archived off some of those things is because they have kind of continually changed some of the standards and some of the way that the the code is um is displayed and so sometimes like where we where have you we'd used an ampersand for example yeah. um if it was used in some places you didn't have to escape it so i didn't <laughs> only 10 years later they decided that no 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 yeah. no we're gonna look at that field too it's like ah so, you know, 
So in order to uh, kind of alleviate some of those uh, surprise, your file isn't working because of this random thing that you did 10 years ago and has been working for 10 years now doesn't work. So, yeah. So, yeah. Um, speaking of things that sometimes don't work, <laughs> how about the social web? Oh, well, it, it's only as good as the, the people that use it, right? Um, so here's some things from the social web this week I thought that you might uh, enjoy and, and Troy might enjoy. Uh, Timothy Shanahan at Reading Shanahan. All right, so this is a thinker. Here, I have a question for you, Troy. All right. Mm -hmm. Can we teach prosody and why would we want to? Um, I, I'm going to say, uh, first of all, we have to define prosody. That is true. We do. We should define it. So we're just going to use the standard, standard international reading associations, uh, version of prosody that should help. Okay. I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate that non-answer. <laughs> You're welcome. I teach, I teach middle school. So prosody is, um, so first of all, when we test reading, we test for accuracy and, um, uh, comp uh, uh, competency, uh, comprehension, right? Those are the two main factors. When we right. test reading, we look for, but m not everybody, but a lot of people say that reading is actually a threefold, uh, process of, um, accuracy language, but then also uh, that language flow. So, so for example, if we, if we ran the podcast where you and I were talking to each other and we talked like this, can we really teach prosody and why? And I won't, I won't torture your ears further, <laughs> hey, but you, you get the point, right? <laughs> right. You're welcome. Um, and that, that, as a teacher, I, I do this too, because what I'll do is I'll, I'll listen to the kids read and I'll hear them read words, right? they're not reading ideas right. or there's no flow to it right and prosody is that flow can you get kids to read in the way that someone would naturally speak right that's the prosody part so the question then becomes should we teach should we be teaching prosody uh uh to kids and as this and i'm granted i'm a social studies teacher um uh who has the kids doing a lot of reading um, I'm thinking that maybe we ought to be focusing on some prosody because uh, it helps the kids if they read in their heads, like the way they're speaking, that it may make the, the language more engaging. Now, I have a support for my argument. You okay. can take the other side, whatever you want. Um, uh, there's a TED Talk by Benjamin Zander, right? And in this TED Talk, he's talking about people really do like classical music. It's just that a lot of times it's being delivered in the wrong method so that they're not connecting with it on an emotional level, which I think is that piece we're missing when we talk about prosody. Uh, and I think if we can get the kids, especially middle school kids, to connect to it on that level, that we're, we're, we're increasing engagement. Do I have any research to support it? Nope. Um, but this is my, my guess, because if you watch Benjamin Zander's video on uh, classical music, he talks about how like a little kid will play and he's playing each individual note. And at the end, you're like, okay, I'm tired. And that, you know, uh, that, was, that was hard. And then he goes through the progression as the kid learns and begins to understand music and flow and how music is a language and it's a sentence and that sort of thing. 
um, that when you get down to the end, you start to realize, oh, wait a minute, that's poetry, not just sounds being banged mm-hmm. out on a on an instrument. And I think maybe that's the piece that we're uh, we need our, our middle school kids to to start playing with is uh, doing some process, and then by doing that, getting them up and speaking and presenting and talking and doing theater and doing some other things that we've cut out because uh, we've eliminated a lot of encore. Uh, pieces and reasons why the encore piece is so important in middle school. So uh, he poses the question, can we really teach prosody and why would we want to? I think we really can. And I think we really should. That's my answer. You're welcome to agree or disagree with me. Uh, You should though uh, send us an email uh, to let us know if you agree or disagree. Um, Even send us a a recording. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, I could. Yeah. Or your non-prosody, whichever side you're going to take, yes. <laughs> uh, someone who is and, prosodocious. But, well, oh, by ahead. the way, just uh, I just want to say, Benjamin, if you're not familiar with um, with Benjamin Zander, he's fascinating to list with, listen to. Yes. So he's got a couple of things that I've seen before, and he's just a delight to listen to. So. Yeah, he's quite the talker. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I enjoy it. I, I show the kids his video on classical music because I'll, I'll ask him, I said, what does it mean to really listen? Because you could use this video in a couple different ways. Um, and I'll ask him what it really means to listen. And and we talk about it. And then we listen to his TED Talk on classical music. And at the end, they're like, oh, I never looked at it that way. And then we talk about how, you know, yeah. you've only got 12 years of experience and maybe it's time to broaden some horizons. Um, anyway, so... Yeah, Benjamin Zander's got some good stuff. Evelyn Glennie on listening. Evelyn Glennie is, is fascinating too. Uh, and she's got some some good stuff in, in uh, TED Talks as well. Uh, Susie Dent. Susie mm-hmm. Dent was a little prolific this week. So she's got a couple words in there. She's got one just for this morning. And this morning's word is snudge. It's a 17th century word. It means to remain snug and quiet, to nestle. So maybe some of you are snudging with your coffee this morning and listening to Middle School Matters. If so, we hope you get a nice long snudge in today. Uh, Word of the day also this week uh, was a 17th century word called batology. Needless and tiresome repetition in speaking or writing often used to avoid answering the question, which is what I did to Troy a little (laughs) earlier today. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> uh, word of the day is gloppen. Another another word of day, I should say, from last week. Uh, gloppen, it's a 15th century word. It's to stare in amazement or gloom. And it can encompass anything from the weather to the state of the world to just be. If you do it while you're like on one foot bouncing up and down, you'd be gloppen hopping. I would. Right. Yes, yeah. you would be gloppen hopping. Uh, you might be glopping at ISTE, at ISTE official. So Richard Collada is jumping in to the AI conversation. And uh, this apparently came from um, from the last ISTE conference. And it's a quote. And so I thought I'd throw it out there and see what you thought. In an age of AI, what are the uniquely human skills that are essential that we can teach our students. Like I'll, 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 get, I'll give a couple examples. So I'm popping open my Raspberry Pi 400, right? Mm-hmm. And it says 
So one of the things we want you to do in order to do this thing I wanted to do is you need to put in this code, which I could literally copy and paste into terminal. And I didn't have to know how to code. I just needed to know where to find out how to do it or find the code I wanted. Mm -hmm. Little snippet piece, whatever. Now, granted, that's dangerous because I don't know if it's good code or bad code. I'm trusting the source, right? That's 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 one of the downfalls of of, of this method and this plan. The good news is that if I just screw it up, I just reflash the SD card, pop it in, and I start over. This you know, no big deal. Um. Uh, the other example I would use is uh, when I was in college, the uh, the kids who were the uh, business majors and had to take business math were were grousing and complaining because they were told they were the last year that they would be um, having to memorize a lot of uh, business math formulas and mm -hmm. um, and that uh, starting the next year they could just program those formulas into their calculators and that the calculator could produce the equation and calculate the math for them on their business math test at the, the big final at the end of the year. And so I think that the trend back then in a different sense was uh, we're going to let certain things be repositories of essential knowledge. And you simply just have to know how to use it, not necessarily have to memorize or remember it. So in the age of AI, what are these new uniquely human skills that are essentials that we need to teach our students? Do we have to teach them certain things? Do they have to memorize certain things anymore? Or do we just simply teach them where to find it, how to use it, and go from there? And that's, I think, one of the, the those are big discussions going on right now. Um, and that's why a lot of teachers are flipping out. And uh, a lot of educators are flipping out as, and a lot of economists are flipping out. A lot of technologists are flipping out and everybody's flipping out because it's the unknown, right? Right. That's always it. scary. You know? So, yeah. So I thought I'd throw that out as part of the AI, AI conversation or your last name is Yankovic, the Al conversation. Yeah. Um, Phyllis Fagel uh, posted uh, an interesting uh, picture this week. Uh, she said, how to help teens cut back on social media. And I thought, ooh, really cool link. Um, it is from the New York Times. Uh, it's a pick. Um, it's how to help teens uh, cut back on social media. It's got several tips, like uh, coming up and setting boundaries together, uh, proposing a, a media vacation and uh, protecting uh, healthy sleep habits. And that sleep habits one, I think, is a huge factor when it comes to uh, school year. So if you're looking for some things to develop a team newsletter to send mm -hmm. up to give the parents at the beginning of the year, like, does your kid really need a cell phone? Uh, that's a question that you need to have a conversation with the kid about. Um, and then talk about social media. And because uh, kids are going to slide behind your back and they're going to do things. And I'm sure that most of them already have a threat account. And um, they, you know, might find that threadening at some point during the year. Yeah. Yeah. So have those conversations. Here's some things to help you with your, uh, your team newsletter material. This next one is some National Park Service information for you, Troy. I... 
Yes, and I am. I think I've gotten calls about this one. I think you have, yes. Uh, there's a picture from the National Park Service, and like uh, somebody posted, and they said, whoever hired this guy needs to give him a raise because he, he comes up with some really good stuff. Um, it says, hello there. We've been trying to reach you about your car's extended warranty. Now, it goes with the picture. And the picture is a massive herd of buffalo surrounding mm-hmm. a, looks like a little white Kia um, or, 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 or car like it. And they're all coming down on the car like, um, um, can we talk to you about your car's extended warranty? You know, and uh, the poor little car is trapped amongst the herd of of, of buffalo. Yes. Kind of cute. Uh, follow them for more fun ones, particularly about bears. Uh, Phyllis Fagel again, uh, while out for ice cream with friends, their kid tracked them down using the Life 360 app and asked them mm-hmm. to bring him home a cone. So it works both ways, folks. You can find your kids and they can find you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a couple here from Bob Harrison, the wonderful Yay. Risa tech guy out at uh, Wayne County Risa. And uh, he posted a couple things. First one he posted was, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Well, Carmen San Diego is now on hashtag Google Earth. And I posted a link in the show notes for you if you want to go and find that. Uh, thanks, Bob, the science guy, for uh, supporting the social studies. Um, and then... Uh, he posted a link to something I thought was kind of a cool, fun activity. It's the unboxing video. It's a fun classroom activity where the kids that, you know, you've seen those those unboxing videos in in um, uh, on YouTube and such. Well, right. why can't the kids, why can't the kids create an unboxing video of something? Uh, an Egyptian mummy, um, uh, any, anything. And um, the periodic table, unbox uh, an element uh, or in English, unbox a book or unbox a character. There's there's all mm-hmm. kinds of wonderful things you can do with this. I thought it was a really cool idea. Mm-hmm. And um, you got that from J. Matt Miller uh, at uh, Ditch the Textbook. Matt Miller's t- Ditch the Textbook uh, mm-hmm. site. Now, um, I've heard that you've been there and done that. <laughs> Is that true? Well, there's, there's one on the social web this week from Peter Beans. Um, and this is just a neat tip. He says, want to download subtitles from a YouTube video? Simply put subtitle.to slash in front of the URL. Um, it'll ask you if you want to download it as a text or an SRT file. Um, pick text. And then if you want, you can put that text file into chat GPT. And ask it to summarize it for you. Cool. So there's times when, like, I get frustrated because, like, I just want to read something, and I'm looking on, I'm looking, I'm searching for something, and everything's a YouTube link. It's like I don't really want to watch a video. I just want to know about. Mm. And so sometimes you can just grab the uh, subtitles. <laughs> You're turning a video into text, and then um, I don't usually use the chat GPT to summarize it, but I hear that that is a can be very efficient. Um, mm-hmm. And he also says, I like to use bullet points. So it's like, give oh, me, summarize this as bullet points, blah, blah, blah. And just a, a neat strategy for, for you to do. Um, to sure. get some information. 
wonderful resource for using in H5P when you put a video in there and you want the a summary or the text underneath it. That could be a really cool thing. Mm -hmm. I shall yeah. have to, I need to remember that for my H5P presentation that I need to do. Right. Uh, yeah. Have to work on that. So, all right. Um, let's see here. I have a couple of resources for you. Um, one is the Pro Prokudin Gorski collection. Um, now, Sean, of course, you're familiar with Prokudin Gorski, correct? Oh, yeah. That's a. Uh, 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 Color photography in uh, in uh, Tsarist Russia, right? <laughs> very, very good. <laughs> Sean just knows I can never get anything past him because he knows everything. What year was that? <laughs> oh, that would have been uh, 1918, right? <laughs> uh, it started around 1907 and... Uh... <laughs> It was uh, through 1909 to 1915. Uh, uh, he left Russia in 1918. Smart man. Mm -hmm. Smart man. All right. So here, here's the real, the real deal here, though, is uh, he was a photographer and took a bunch of colored uh, film slides, color film slides. Mm -hmm. um, and these are now available through our favorite, the Library of Congress. So you can oh, cool. search through this. Um, and, and because these are of a certain vintage, they are also in the public domain. So they, they took the slides and they have digitized them. And so there's just a lot of, uh, images that you could use for a variety of reasons right so if you're having kids if you have kids write about a prompt you can use some of these as images to write about you can make these available to kids so if kids are using make-believe comics they can pop these in as a background they can help tell a story if they don't want to create all of the individual art themselves um, it, it's just an, it's a neat resource and um, I just like to, to pull some of these things out every once in a while. Um, then there's also the story about how they were actually digitized. Um, and I found this interesting, so I'm going to, going to link to that as well. Um. And they used an overhead Mark II digital camera. Um, they scanned the various elements of the collection. It took them uh, several months to do. There was full plate scans. There was um, one plate. There were books. There were album pages. They even talk about how they handled broken slides. Um so if you want to get into the weeds and uh, detail of how they do some of these things, um, it's a, it's kind of a neat little read. There's a lot of data there. It's one of those things that like frequently people say, you know, can't you just <laughs> to me? And it's like, okay, well, look, 
here's what you'd have to go through in order to do some of these things. So I just found that was neat. All right. Um, emoji. Sean, you are an emoji fan, correct? I very rarely use emoji. <laughs> well, there is Bloopy, which is kind of a bee-based emoji. Um, and if you are interested, you can um, head over to Bloopy. You can download them. Uh, and these are free to use. These are licensed uh, as BB is uh, Creative Commons by which is by attribution nc no charge and share like 4.0 um so if you want to use you want to add some additional emoji into your your quiver there you have them um to 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 use and you can use them in a variety of places and you know sometimes you might want to um Talk about things that uh, include, like, the sound of freedom. Oh. Access to Culture Translator. Uh, I had a, several things this week, but I pulled this one out because um, it was also mentioned by uh, Kim. Uh... Oh, nuts. I can't think of her last name. Uh, the, 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 the counselor up in Minnesota does a lot of work with Emily. Uh, she had seen this film uh, this weekend and highly recommended it. And then the, cultures, uh, the Culture Translator also... Uh, gave it a high high marks, and so I thought I would include it here because it's something that teens are talking about, and uh, Kim, parents are talking about with teens. Kim, Kim uh, Campbell, Campbell, thank you. That's it. Yep. Okay. Um, Sound of Freedom is an Angel Studios film about human trafficking and the human trafficking industry. Uh, it's out in theaters for a limited time. Um, the United States is one of the highest uh, level of human trafficking countries in the world. Um, uh, primarily where kids are getting picked up and they're being transported out, um, trafficked out. Um, but this, uh, this touches on it. Um, the reviews say that it does it with discretion. And uh, so that you, it's, it's a, it's, it, you can talk about it with your teens and show it to your teens. Um, and they've got a conversation started that says, uh, what do you know about human trafficking? And um, yeah. So um Maybe catch it in theaters. Uh, if not, check for it on the Angel Studios app. Most of the stuff that Angel Studios produces is free. It's uh, pre-funded by people who have paid money up front to, to fund a project. And then it just shows up on the, on the, uh, on the app. You can get it on Apple TV. You can get it on, uh, on your, your tablet, your phone. Uh, you can watch it there as well. But right now, this is only in theaters. Uh, I imagine it will show up on the on the app here at some point in the future. Um, so comes highly recommended. It's done really, really well in theaters so far. Not very many films, I'm told, have done well this year in theaters. Uh, this one and and we'll see. Maybe uh, maybe Mission Impossible will rescue the uh, the American movie industry here or theaters. Sorry, not industry, but the theaters here uh, for the summer. But uh, yeah, these uh, you could you could find Angel Studios on the web, and some other things you could do a put a spotlight on in your web spotlight is uh, growing up to class day. 
Yeah, this was something that I thought was uh, an interesting project and something you'd have to plan. Um, but this is hosting a bring your grown up to class day in middle school. Uh, this is an Edutopia uh, article um, where they talk about, you know, family involvement is often promoted, um, but it can be difficult to get, um, can be difficult to get grown-ups and family members to come to middle school. Um, there's just a change there. We know it's a huge time of change and mm -hmm. it's a huge time when kids are saying, I want to be independent and families are like, I don't know what's with this kid. He, you know, he was, he's not a kid anymore. He's, you know, acting like an adult and it's like, uh, yeah, that's, uh, kind of, um, um, you know, kind of a, a thing. Um, but this is the whole, the whole concept here is about inviting adults in. Um, they talk about preparing the classroom space. They, they talk about, um, a few days before bring your grown up to class day, deputize your most challenging students to run the class <laughs> that day. <laughs> <laughs> Their duties teach the grown-ups the expectations of the class. Um, so, um, but it's, it's, I think it's a, I think it can be a powerful thing to get the kids involved and to get the kids to develop that connection and have the, the families develop that connection. It's not just a, what do you want me to do? Oh, I see what's going on here. And this can be front loading a lot of understanding, which can then help in down the line when you need parents as well. So I, th I thought that was just a neat idea to look through. Um, and then I'm also gonna, gonna look at a article from Kappen uh, talking the technology talk. And this is one of those things that obviously I deal with a lot because, uh, you know, it's kind of there in my, in my title, but it's talking about technology and what their impact is. And it's like, you know, it's, it's everywhere now. It's, uh, you know, technology is just kind of a thing, but they kind of pull in teaching about technology through subject areas. So it's not just go down the room to see the technology teacher, but they go through science. So the next generations of science standards, um, the movement of STEM advocation, uh, of STEM education raised the prominence of engineering and technology in science classrooms. Uh, they talk about social studies. Do you know they talk about technology and social studies there, Sean? I've heard rumors. Yeah. I've heard rumors. <laughs> um, and it's, it is, it is obviously included in a lot of social studies curriculum because technology frequently makes big differences to how things work 
how people interact, where people are, um, and all that. Um, but he says sometimes technology in, uh, inventions such as railroads, cars, or computers often are treated as inevitable engines of progress and worthy of little further discussions or debate. And like to encourage an inquiry approach to encourage th critical thinking and discussions. What if, what if instead of cars, you know, they'd come up with something else? And um, yeah. um, English language, uh, English language art. Sorry, um, and having um, having kids reflect about how technologies we use to communicate, whether film or writing or social medias, shape the messages we send and receive. Um, so get the, get the kids doing the metacognition uh, about that as well. Um, and that English language arts has broadened the need for students to read and produce not just words, but graphics, images, hyperlinks, embedded video, and audio. Um, and that's something that's, uh, you know, becoming newer and newer. Um, and they, they also break into the whole idea of uh, the technology ice education iceberg, um, which involves tools and systems and values. And I think that we don't always we don't always talk about values in terms of education, but it is always there. And especially with a lot of the AI stuff that's going on right now, uh, values and biases are getting a lot of discussion, and those are worthy discussions to have. So um, I think it's a, a nice article to read through. Uh, I think that uh, technology is one of those things that, you know, should be, in, it's just kind of embedded in what we do and how we do it. Um, and it's time to acknowledge that and maybe not look for something super shiny, but look for things that we're using already and how you can embed that into your teaching and your thoughts. So... The other thing that we would love for you to embed is uh, conversations with your colleagues, with your friends. Let them know about Middle School Matters. Uh, have them head over to middleschoolmatters.com where you can always get all of the links um, and the resources that we shared there. And of course, we'd love it if you'd go to your podcast catcher of your choice Give us a five-star rating. Tell us why Sean is the world's greatest co-show host. Um, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. So there's links to shoot us an email, a uh, voice message, whatever works for you. With that, this has been Middle School Matters for middle school educators who care. All opinions expressed on this podcast are exclusively the opinions of the host and guest and not indicative of any employer. <laughs>